Hey everyone, welcome in to another daily editorial here on the KE Report. Corey and Chad here chatting with Joel Alconin, co-host of the Benzinga Pre-Market Prep Show, also editor of the Pre-Market Prep website. Joel, let's look at the U.S. equity markets because they continue to do quite well. Looking at the S&P 500, we are just a few points away from that 5,000 level. It came yesterday right up to that level but couldn't quite break it i know 5000 is simply just a round number but fact of the matter is momentum still very much seems to be in favor of the bulls here even though some of the bears want to say we're not seeing the breadth that should signify a bull market i don't know man momentum still is very much in favor of these bulls what's your takeaway from if this 5,000 number is even really significant for the S&P. Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Uh, you have a Goldilocks scenario here. You have a market that's uh, trading at all-time highs. Not everything's trading at all-time high. You just went through a Q4 earnings season, which for the most part produced some nice beats. And on top of it, you have a supposedly, and we could debate this for hours, a dovish Fed. So if you look at the where the numbers are, you look at where all the people that have been anticipating recession, 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 has it come, and then you couple that with good numbers, then the earnings reports are, are supporting the movements in the stocks. And then you have a friendly Fed that's willing to, at the first sign of weakness, Willing to lower rates. So what more could you ask for if you're a bull? Yeah, Joel, it's really interesting how the narrative has changed from last year into this year, because last year it was a question of, are we going to get the soft landing or are we going to get a recession? And there were so many people on recession watch. And at that time, everybody's waiting for the Fed to, to see what their monetary policy would be that, you know, bad news was good news, because if it was bad news then the Fed would cut <laughs> earlier. Well, now the narrative has shifted to good news is good news. <laughs> Look at it. If we have a good GDP number, a good jobs number, good manufacturing, good consumer sentiment, a lot of people are saying we may have escape velocity for a stronger economy. Do you think that's playing into the market strength where good news is now good news? Good news is good news. Bad news is good news. No news is good news. I mean, and I I think that I can uh, comfortably say I've never been on the recession train. I have never. I hope I've been consistent on this show over the years. I mean, my eye, you know, my eyeball indicator, you know, maybe it's my area in Michigan where I live or places that I travel to, but people are spending money and whether they have the money or not, I don't know. But the reason I never thought a recession was imminent. Now, bringing in inflation and what happened, we all know a little thing called the pandemic in 2020 really, really upset the supply chains. And that's something that it's taken years to work through. And now we're coming up on four years here in March. So there's always there's always cycles to the market. But this one is just like, it's the super cycle. And everything is coming together. The other thing that was keeping people, when is China going to invade Taiwan? When is China going to invade Taiwan? Well, that's going to kill the market. Well, that's not happening. When is there going to be another regional bank failure? That hasn't happened. It seems that whatever is thrown against this market, 
It thinks about it for a couple days, and then it just moves on its merry way. So, Joel, are we just back to the simply there is no alternative? If you have money burning a hole in your pocket, and I know that's tough to say for a lot of people that are struggling with inflation, but that money, you might as well put it into the broad averages. I, I agree. And I, I, I would uh, reviewing, you know, some of my portfolios and stuff. And, you know, I've messed around with this stock and that stock and whatever. But, you know, what I and, I and I've always have told young people this and I've talked to about investing is that hard to beat the market. You know, like, yeah, I wish I could be at NVIDIA and I wish I could be at Broadcom. I wish I could be on the, the chip stocks, the AI stocks that are igniting this market. But what I've told young investors is, man, just, you know, whatever you can afford, let's say 50 bucks a month, just put it in the S&P, put it in the spider. Because what that's going to, what the S&P does is like it, it gravitates to the stocks that are, that are moving higher, right? Those are the ones that are going to move in to be the top components of the index. So, I mean, it, it you see the gains that you get and like, Arm up, you know, 52% today. Dizzy's up 13%. I mean, those are wonderful gains and everything. But if you're in it for the long haul, I just, it's very hard to beat the indexes. And as far as having an alternative, well, what's 5%, you know, when you can make 52% of the day? I mean, there's a lot of things here that are going on that are like symptomatic of like a bubble. But I don't think we've reached the valuations that we did in 2000. The different with these companies now, they're having these astronomical gains, are doing it based on, on their earnings. And, you know, the AI thing, I mean, we could talk about that for another hour. But, you know, AI is, you know, creating a whole nother fervor in the market. And uh, if you listen to Bill Gates, we're going to work less make more money and have more free time. I mean, you know, because of AI. So a lot of different factors. It's hard to stand in front of a market that has a story. And this AI story has swept Wall Street. Boy, Joel, has it ever. I mean, really, AI, if you just put something in AI in your press releases, your stock almost gets a boost. We were laughing off mic that Palantir was a meme stock a year or two ago. It was it was almost a failed company. Then, the, you know, people ramped it up to squeeze the shorts, came back down. But a lot of people thought it was over. They've now gotten into AI and they've had a legitimate run higher now. And that's been true of a lot of companies. Do you think that we're going to see some separation in the AI sector, though, between the winners and losers? Because just putting AI in your stuff doesn't necessarily mean your business will be successful. Are there some companies you're following that you think really have an edge? The companies that supply the chips to the AI. I mean, that's it. I mean, Someone asked me about this stock the other day, AI. I mean, could you ask for a better stock symbol than that? I mean, the thing went parabolic in 2021, but have they increased revenues? And they haven't. You know, they're pretty much flat at 70 million and a quarter. So instead of looking, you know, what company is going to develop the greatest AI, look at the companies that are supplying the chips, that are supplying the infrastructure to generate the AI, the AI ideas. So, you know, right now, obviously, NVIDIA, SMCI, ARM, uh, even though they're not a true AI chip maker, um, you know, they're into the chip business. So, 
you know, the picks and the shovels, the, those are the chips that are used to make this AI is what I think investors should be looking at. So, Joel, as I mentioned on the onset, look, this this recent rally has been fairly concentrated again within a number of stocks. But that brings up the question of rotation. Any sectors out there that you see more possible where money rotates into from all this wealth that's been created? No. And, and we've been talking about this a lot on the show. You know, look at the IWM. You know, look at the small caps. They need cheap money. So until you eventually get that turn in interest rates lower, then the I, IWM is going to be dead money. I, the IBB has acted better, you know, a little bit more speculative. But why go for the catch-up trade? It's not working. And I, I'm not one to be chasing things right now, but, I mean, at, uh, until you get a turn in rates, I mean, you have yeah, you have some separation in the banking sector. Full disclosure, I bought some, uh, you know, I've had some banks in my portfolio. But during the banking crisis, you know, I bought J.P. Morgan. And the reason I bought J.P. Morgan, I'm like, well, if everyone goes out of business, at least J.P. Morgan's going to be around. So really, I mean, you could look and say, oh, this is, oh, I'm going to go into energy here. If you're waiting for the laggard trade, I think you're going to be waiting a lot longer. And I know it's hard to go with the hot rods. And believe me, I, you know, it's hard for me to do too. You don't see me out there buying NVIDIA at 702. Uh, but man, people, I think people spend too much time waiting to catch the laggards when the money is being made hopping on the leaders. That's a great point, Joel. A lot of times the laggards stay laggards. And like you say, the hot rods stay hot. When the earnings season has mostly run its course now, are there any areas that surprised you to the upside or the downside? Companies that are doing better than maybe the market was giving them credit for or companies that missed and, and it's worth noting? Uh, some of the, I mean, the Palantir report, it was good. I mean, was it great? No. But AI, right? And it's a meme stock. So um, I think the biggest surprise was Meta to me on the upside here. And I just, and I, and I've mentioned this a few times on, on our show and, and whatnot. And I'm like, well, didn't they have a bunch of job cuts? You know, isn't this a little bit of financial engineering? And the response that I got was a lot of these companies overhired during the pandemic. And now they're just getting back to equilibrium. So that was a surprise on the upside uh, as far as meta. And then, you know, on the downside, I mean, that you know, the companies that are disappointing are just kind of your old, you know, a lot of your, your value. I mean, there's been some rotation into value, but now, I mean, it's just, it, it's more of a story market than anything else. And if you, your company doesn't have an AI story or some other kind of story, then you can't expect for them, like, I mean, I know PG had, Procter Gamble had some nice earnings, right? But they're, they're raising prices. I mean, how much more toothpaste are you going to buy? How much more shampoo? How much more toilet paper are you going to need, right? I mean, they have the pricing power and they're able to do it. So I thought McDonald's got hit pretty big off its report. And, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, they blamed uh, the war in in Israel and in Gaza, but really, there's only two things that are going to derail this market. 
Number one, if China goes into Taiwan, and number two, and we'll find out next week, is if in the way the narrative changes in this market, if you if you get some hot inflation numbers, then that takes all the rate cuts off the table. It puts higher for longer back on the table and the possibility of interest rates going higher. Joel, what's your thought on the entertainment sector as well? Because we keep hearing just how venues are selling out. People are buying more at these venues. You look at something like Live Nation, though. They're, they're not at all-time highs. However, concerts, again, live events seem to be booming right now. Is there an opportunity here? I think so. And I'm looking at the Live Nation here, and I think it's a, a, you know, a nice consolidation. I mean, if you have Taylor Swift coming in, yeah, maybe. But I just think people, I, we, the history books will write this up a lot better than me. But, you know, the pandemic... Your home is more important to you, right? So you all have seen what's going on in the housing stocks. But, hey, we're going to get out and do things. And I think it also during the pandemic, you know, it made people realize that, you know, how fortunate we are, especially in the U.S. and Canada here, to be able to do all these things. So I think you're seeing a lot of pent-up demand, you know, from the pandemic. People are getting raises, you know, the auto workers. So, there are plays in there. I mean, I'd be a little careful of like the DraftKings right now because I think you're having a, a Super Bowl run here. Pen is like, but people want to do things. Sad and, and Corey, they, they don't want to sit at home and watch TV. They want to get out and do things. So uh, look at Disney today. The House of Mouse up 12 bucks. I mean, maybe it's, you know, a leader, the laggard, maybe Disney. They uh, made that investment in, in Fortnite. You know, maybe they're trying to work their way into beat. Somehow get AI and Disney and uh, get a story behind it that way. Oh, there you go, Joel. You can market for Disney, too. Just turn an AI section in there. I was actually going to ask you about some of the gambling stocks as well. But boy, oh boy, DraftKings also been on quite the run all through last year. Joel, it's great chatting with you. Always enjoyable. Always entertaining especially when we are clearly in a bull market here that continues to hit all-time highs. We'll chat with you again soon, Joel. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you, gentlemen.